Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you here at Grace Church today. What a beautiful Sunday morning we have. It's nice to see the sunshine out and the temperature up just a little bit. And it's good to see all of you. It's great to see your face today. I'm glad to be here with my Grace Church family. Stand with us today. We're about to start a worship set. I don't know how you came in this morning. Maybe you feel like you are just on top of the world. Maybe you feel like you've got the weight of the world on you. Maybe you've just experienced the greatest victory you've ever experienced in your life. Maybe you feel like you've just experienced the greatest defeat you've ever had in your life. However you came in, either end of the extreme or somewhere in between, I want you to know the scripture says that he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Ultimately, every single one of us, no matter how we came in today, we have the promise of a victory. And it's a victory that he won for us, not one that we had to earn ourselves. And that's an amazing thing.
As their sins are washed away, a new life begins. Hallelujah. Pastor will have more to say about that in a few moments. But what a, what a moment. And I'm just telling you, there are some things happening around Grace Church. Some of it behind the scenes. Some of it front and center like the baptism that God is doing. And, and we're going to be hearing some reports of some awesome things here in just the next few days and weeks. Of miracles, of people being filled with the Holy Ghost, people being baptized. God's church is on the move. Amen. Amen. If you believe that, would you clap your hands one more time? Thank you, Jesus. I feel victory in the house today. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As you're seated, just look at somebody standing nearby and give them a big smile and tell them you're glad to see them. Man, some of you were in a hurry to be seated. God bless you. Didn't know I kept you standing so long. Amen. Before we continue with our worship set, let me just thank you for your giving. Appreciate your faithfulness. You can always give online. You can give on the way out in Grand Central after church today, and we appreciate that. We do want to take this moment to welcome all of you here this morning, those joining us on live stream and Facebook Live. So glad you are a part of Grace Church today, and I know that you will be blessed by what happens in the service today. Do remember tomorrow night, United Family Prayer at uh, 714 at your home with your family. We want you to continue to pray, continue to pray for revival, that God will have His way and His will in our church, in our community, in our families, and even in our world. Amen. Amen. And then, of course, Tuesday morning prayer at 10 o'clock right here at, in the sanctuary. If your schedule allows, please be a part of that. We want you to come and pray. And then last announcement, next Sunday is our Baby Dedication Sunday. And we always look forward to this. It's always a great time of celebration, but also of, of, of consecration of our children to the Lord. So if you have a baby or a child to be dedicated, please let the church office know this week so that you can be a part of that. We want to bless your family and bless your children in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you ready to worship some more? just feel like there's something moving here today. I feel like there's something God wants to do. And so much of it happens through our worship. The, 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 to use the old adage, the stage is set with our worship. And so I believe that what we do in the next few minutes in worship will determine the magnitude of the move of God further into the service. So let's pour our heart into a move of God through our worship today. Clap your hands as the praise team comes to lead us today. 
Worship the Lord the way you feel comfortable worshiping the Lord. We just ask you to absorb His presence, to appreciate being in His presence. It's great to be here today. Thank the Lord. Great to be on campus. And uh, I'm so excited to see all of you. And it was great baptizing somebody this morning, was it not? Thank the Lord. Amen told Brother Ben, when that came on the screen, you could just feel the whole atmosphere here change. And uh, we're so excited for Breanne today. God beautifully filled her up with the baptism of the Holy Ghost last Sunday. And uh, we're real excited about that too. Thank the Lord. And uh, the Bible teaches that when a person receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they speak in another tongue. And uh, that's the evidence that the Holy Ghost has come on the inside of somebody. But I've learned through the years there's also another uh, sign, if you will, another change when somebody receives the Holy Ghost, and that is their countenance. Uh, Praying with her last Sunday for a while, she had her head down, but upon receiving the Holy Ghost, the head went straight up. That's, that's amazing. And the whole countenance changes. There's just a glow. There's a smile. There's a beauty. Uh, it's just amazing how that happens. And uh, I couldn't help, I'm not trying to embarrass her here this morning, and I'm complimenting, uh, but I noticed when she came in from being baptized, her face just couldn't contain her smile. And, uh, just a glow in the countenance, and we're real, real excited, real happy for Brianne today. And uh, Brianne, we have a, something for you if you'll come stand by me. And uh, we have a couple of certificates here. Uh, one is that you were baptized actually today in the beautiful name of Jesus. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Pretty neat. See, that's all she can do is laugh. She can't even talk. She just giggles. And, uh, and then last Sunday, you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They're all dated. And uh, that's a way that you'll never forget what's happened to you. So congratulations on being filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you. And you may be seated. Thank you so much. Thank the Lord. Uh, you have to love that smile right there. That's what the Holy Ghost does. You want to smile? Just get a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost. It'll happen to you. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for His goodness today, shall we? Blessed be the name of Jesus. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thanks to all of our staff today for making that happen so beautifully and wonderfully. And uh, we appreciate all of you so very much. Thank the Lord. We're having a great time in here on Wednesday night. And uh, we enjoy having our students this past Wednesday night, even uh, our, our younger children joined us. And we're going to continue this for a while on Wednesday night. And uh, everybody will be in the sanctuary. The only uh, uh, class we're doing right now outside the sanctuary is Grace Steps, our membership class. And uh, we're excited about that. But soon they'll be rejoining us in uh, three or four more Wednesday nights. And then everybody will be uh, in the sanctuary 
And uh, so we're excited about that. And uh, there are some things that we're teaching that I would love for our, our uh, students, our children to hear. And they are responding beautifully. And uh, it's been amazing. I've been in contact with several of our leadership people. And uh, especially our junior high students are wanting to be more involved and what have you. And uh, so we're going to start working with that. And it's, and it's the whole thing is working. And uh, I'm very pleased, I'm very thankful to uh, see our students involved in church. We want them to know that we have placed a lot of value in them. And uh, we want them to feel their purpose uh, when they are coming to Grace Church on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, whatever it may be. Thank the Lord. Now I'm saying that to say, we started up Sunday school on Sunday morning. Uh, looks like everybody kind of showed up on time. And uh, for our very first Sunday school in almost a year on Sunday morning, and we're thankful to be back up and running. And everybody said amen. Thank the Lord. And uh, thank you all for getting up, what, an hour earlier? And uh, I still say being here at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning for Sunday school is not that early. People say, man, we got to get up so early and go to church. I don't know. What time do you get up and go to work? That's early. Come to church. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. So we're real pumped and excited to have Sunday school up and running again. And uh, thank you, Sister Farah, and all of our Sunday school staff uh, for making that happen. We love you. Love all of you. Thank you so much uh, for teaching our kids and our students. And uh, But back to Wednesday night. Being that we're not doing kid stuff on Wednesday night for a while and what have you, that is not a signal for you to stay home because you don't have free child care. You need to come on out to the house of the Lord, teach your kids how to behave in church for about an hour. It's about like Sunday morning. Just teach them how to behave and they'll love you more and you'll love them more. You'll decide to keep them for an extra week or two. Uh, what have you. So... Uh, uh, so remember that for Wednesday night. We're having a great time, and we're looking forward to Sunday mornings. Just keep rolling. We want to continue baptizing people, seeing people filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, Grace Church is coming back, and we're very, very thankful for that. Aren't y'all thankful for that? Let's give the Lord some appreciation again. Thank the Lord. Would you stand in honor to the Word of God today? We want to call your attention to the book of Joshua, uh, one of the most inspiring and motivational scripture settings, I believe, in the Word of God. Joshua chapter 14, beginning with verse 6. <clears throat> then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenezite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee and Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly or completely followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever because thou hast wholly followed the Lord thy God. And now behold, 
The Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years. Since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. I'm 85 years old, yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now. For war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, in other words, all that being said, give me my mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims, giants, were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenezite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron before was Kirjath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. I want to preach to you today with as much passion as I can muster, with as much heart as I can give today. I want to preach to you today about the measure of a man's will. The measure of a man's will. Everybody say thank the Lord for the word. Thank you for standing. God bless you. You may be seated. The measure of a man's will is often determined when it is under pressure. People will oftentimes betray themselves. When the chips are down, the depth of character will be found out in the deepest trials of life. And I think all of us can relate to that in the events over the past year. But it is by trouble that the heart of a man or a woman is purified. On the other hand, prosperity has a tendency to intoxicate the conscience. It can cause hopes and dreams to become lethargic. It will fix the mind on the present and therefore it will cause the future to perish. Someone said prosperity destroys the imagination of the thinker and wilts the, the affections of the dreamer. Lord Byron said, adversity is the path of truth. Tacitus said, adversity has no friends. But I would choose today to uh, disagree or to differ with the sentiments of Tacticus. One of the greatest friends of the church and of our lives is adversity. The Bible teaches that when you are tried, you shall come forth. As pure gold, the Bible said. Caleb and Joshua were two men out of twelve who said that God would empower the children of Israel to take the land of Jericho. The other ten were losers, if you will. I heard it asked one time, we know out of the ten spies we know, or the twelve spies, we know that two of them are Joshua and Caleb. 
Can anybody name any of the others? It's a great question. I can't. I almost looked one up this morning just to say that I could. But I thought I'd be honest. I've never bothered to memorize the name of these ten losers that said that God can't give us the land. God is for once outmatched. They said the walls were too large and the giants of their promised land were too big. Israel had left the land of Egyptian captivity. After being captured for a little over 400 years, they came to a place called Kadesh Barnea. That's what Caleb and Joshua were talking about in our scripture setting today. Kadesh Barnea was where they sent out Moses, sent out the spies. Had they all come back with an attitude of we can do it, let's take the land, it would have saved them some 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness. They were, they were at the edge of greatness at this moment. But they hesitated. They hesitated. They paused for a moment, literally sitting on the edge or the precipice of greatness. The Bible is full of people who hesitated at the edge of greatness. Lot's wife is a good example. A look back changed her into a pillar of salt. Demas is another who stood on the edge of greatness. He hesitated too long with a lasting look, the Bible said, at this present world. King Agrippa in the book of Acts Almost persuaded, he said. He told Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. He was almost persuaded and then allowed his soul to slip out of that moment of conviction. Somebody here today needs to hear that. The rich young ruler, he stopped short of the greatest commandment about loving the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Balaam, the man who grew confident in his backslidden state. One must always remember that in the spiritual arena, to hesitate is to backslide. To refuse to listen to the calling of the Lord is to backtrace steps that you've already taken. Spiritual life, can never afford to be static. It has to always be dynamic. There's never time to stand still, to pause, or to hesitate when God is calling you onward towards purpose, vision, and accomplishment. The 12 spies went to the land of Canaan. They admired the fruit that grew in abundance. They admired the land and how comfortable that a home there would be. Yet the fenced cities and the giants who inhabited them terrorized them. And there's people living in this very posture today. They're terrified of what's going on around our world and what have you. Even though God has allowed them to see and even visit a future of hope 
and promise that could be theirs if they could conquer their fear. I want to submit to all of you here today that God has not given you the spirit of fear. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Listen to what the ten spies said. They brought up an evil report. They brought up, this is God's promised land. This is current day Israel, essentially speaking. This is a land that God promised them. And the ten spies had the audacity to come back with an evil report concerning that land. God is not going to promise you anything that's evil and that's horrible. And there's people who are embracing this fear thing and terrorized to step out on faith. I want to submit to you today, if God has made the church a promise, it is imperative that we pursue it with all of our might and without fear and without hesitation. And somebody said amen. This is what they said about God's promised land. The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. They were giants in the land. There we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which came, which come of the giants. Here's the, the, the statement you need to listen to. And we were in our own sight. Not theirs, ours. This is what we saw. This was the extent of our vision. We saw ourselves compared to them as grasshoppers. We were too small. We were too weak. Folks, we have to understand that if God has promised us a greater tomorrow, He will equip you, He will enable you to live that tomorrow, to experience that tomorrow, for your dream and vision about that tomorrow to come to pass. Yes, He will. So when men get out of sync with God, mole hills look like mountains. Prayer rooms become silent. The soul begins to soften up and dreams begin to die. That's what happens when we're out of sync with God. This is exactly what happened to the children of Israel. If you'll give me a moment, I'll have you listen to what else they said. Because of these ten spies and their evil report, the Bible said, all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. There were two other men that gave a completely different report that saw the same land, but nobody listened to that. It's interesting to me. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. What an attitude. 
Or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should be prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? (laughs) This is their attitude about a land that God promised them. Now they're accusing God. Now they're blaming God. They're blaming their leaders. I want you all to hear this. And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. And I want to say, are you stupid? Have you lost your mind? Have you forgot who got you from Egypt to where you are now? I want to ask somebody here today that question. Have you forgotten the evidence of the manifestation of the hand of God in your life and all of a sudden you're full of fear and want to quit? I find it interesting that Moses and Aaron do what most pastors do. They fell on their face before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, they rent their clothes, they tore their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. There's nothing wrong with the land. You just got to get rid of the people who's occupying it. There's nothing wrong with living for God. You just need to get rid of the stuff that gets in your way in living for God. He said, if the Lord delight in us, he'll bring us into this land, and he gave it us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only rebel ye not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. I want to stop right here and just say in passing. I did a little study a few weeks ago on the the glory of the Lord and came across one of the best definitions I've ever read. I was just searching exactly what does glory mean. The best definition I've ever found is when God manifests his glory, it just simply means that God is showing off. So when you pray, God, I want to see your glory, you're asking God to come down here and show off in front of you, and you can say, ha, 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 that's my God. That's not a joke. It is good. I love it when God shows off. When he takes what everybody says, is it possible? Didn't they sing that this morning? Whatever men and the devil thinks and comes against you with and means it for evil, God has a way of turning it into something good. That's his glory. He's just showing off. So God was seeking a moment to show off. So he manifested himself in their tabernacle. 
and it got everybody real quiet for a little while. And did Moses and Aaron get stoned? No, they did not. Did the children of Israel go back to Egypt? No, they did not because God came down and showed off. You know what's been happening around here for the past few Sundays? God's just been showing up and showing off. You've been feeling stuff you've never felt before in your life. You're beginning to believe stuff you've never believed in your life. You've seen God. You've seen God. You've seen God bring his church through one of the most tumultuous times of our lifetime. I'm here to submit to somebody today. If you'll give God some faith and give God a little hope, he'll come show off in front of you and you'll say, that's my God. I knew he'd come through. There's more than one person here today that's experienced the glory of God and I feel it here this morning I feel the Holy Ghost here right now come on somebody clap your hands and shout yes and all of that commotion going on in the congregation of Israel that day there was still something different about Caleb And Joshua, they were not swayed. They did not compromise. They did not give in and give up on that mental image, that picture they had in their head, their vision for tomorrow that, folks, if we'll follow God, we'll end up in a place that's better than we've ever been in our life. Their determination was complete and whole. You could call it the measure of a man's will. Caleb's determination was strong in the face of doubt. It was strong in the face of time. It was strong in the presence of his peers. That same spirit that Caleb had needs to be heard and felt in the church. Now, our voices must be heard. Our prayers must be felt. Our worship must be alive. Our spirits must be disciplined. If our voices are loud and strong, the careless and the thoughtless will have to respect the strong spirit. This world we live in today needs to see men and women that know where they're going. They need to see a church that knows where it's going. Come on, folks. There's brighter days ahead for the church, and we have to pursue God's promise. If you'll pardon me for a moment, there's a person that's been on their feet up and down, up and down. Virtually the entire time I've been preaching this message, I applaud Sister Sarah Tomlinson because of by what you understand that I'm preaching, their son has just been given a cancer diagnosis that's bewildering, bewildering. And we're all trusting God for his total and complete recovery. But through this whole message, she's been on her feet, clapping and praising. Come on, Pastor, preach. Come on, Pastor, preach. Because there's still vision. There's still hope. There's still promise. We need to get a hold of that. We've been beat up too long, defeated too long. It's time for the church to rise to the occasion and say, God, we're going to accomplish your will and purpose no matter what happens. I've got to hurry. I'm just now getting through my introduction. I'm serious about that. In our scriptural text, there were some keys 
that give us some clues as to what made Caleb so successful. He told Joshua, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. This was 45 years ago. And he still had that mental image. He still had that picture in his head of what God promised him. And it stayed there. Why? Because he had the word of God in his heart. Caleb's words were not meant to please the crowd. They were received from his devotion to God and an understanding of the promises of God. When Caleb walked into the promised land for the first time, his eyes saw something that reached in and became a part of him. It became a part of his heart. It was in his heart that God would give them the land and those huge Amorites and their chariots of iron to Caleb. That was nothing to God. Caleb was strong in his faith. Caleb was strong in his faith. The Bible indicates that David also found it in his heart to build the house of the Lord. Nehemiah declared, neither told I any man what my God has put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Little did Nehemiah realize at the time in the future that his vision from God would sustain him through the deepest and darkest trials of his life. David said, the psalmist said, my heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. The meanings of the word fixed, there's two One means to be firm, to be stable, to be firmly established, to be set up, to be secure, to be enduring. The second is to be fixed, to be securely determined, to be directed, to be steadfast, to be ready, to be arranged, to be settled, to set up, to accomplish. I'm asking somebody here today, what is the measure of your will? How far do you want to go? How long can you last? Caleb held the picture or vision of that mountain in his heart for 45 years. It was his, in his mind, before he in reality possessed it. No doubt there were people all around him who questioned his vision, laughed at his dreams, slandered him in private, and rejected him in public. But in his heart, Caleb knew that one of these days, what God had shown him, was going to come to pass. His heart was set on the promised land. His treasure was there. And so was his heart. His treasure was there. And so was his heart. His affections were set on things above. Even though he was confined to wandering in the wilderness, that same lesson has further brought home to us where our treasure is. It's where our heart will be. The great apostle Paul told the church at Colossae to set their affections on things above and not those things below. Caleb said, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord, which is the second key to his success. There was never any compromise. There was never any lukewarmness with Caleb. There was never any backsliding. There was not a bad attitude. There wasn't questions and doubt. Did he have hard times? Yes, he did. Did he have trials? Yes, he did. But did he give up? No. There's not room for that when it comes to God's will and God's purpose. The ten spies walked by sight instead of faith. Consequently, they were too occupied with all the obstacles that stood in their way. Full of distrust, they infected the whole congregation with the same, intimidating and discouraging them so far that their own spirits sank. Caleb 
Refuse to be silenced by the critics. Remember this. Remember this. The sanction of the multitude is never a good justification for an evil course. Truth and right are often with the minority. Even Jesus said, Enter ye at the straight gate, for the wide gate is, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Caleb stood alone with Joshua during a time of national panic. Fear is often more easily fostered than hope. It is easier to depress it than it is cheer. It's easier to be negative than it is to be positive. Caleb did not want to have any part of the land. There was the drive in his soul that desired that mountain which he saw in his earlier years. He would claim Hebron for his own. Yet there was a distinguishing mark about Hebron. It was infested with giants or anakims. The cities were walled and the secret pathways in the hills that the warriors could run throughout and ambush any enemy. But Caleb realized that some of the highest blessings are fenced in with great difficulties. And I have found that to be true. And so have you. No earthly inheritance will ever exist without some disadvantage. The same pattern holds true for the spiritual patterns of our lives. It is by duress and pressure on the soul that saints are made. Sometimes the hindrances to spiritual growth are on the inside of a man. There's laziness, fear, and carnality. But sometimes it is the temptations of the world that hinders our progress. The temptations come from what we feed into our mind. It may be bad examples or distracting pleasures. Sometimes there may be persecution that comes from the world's ignorance, prejudice, and their envy. But I'm going to stay steady. I've determined to stay steady. My heart is fixed, oh God, my heart is fixed. There's a vision ahead of me. There's a promise ahead of me. I'll be honest with you, through the COVID uh, trial and horribleness, I wondered in myself if I had another pastoral church growth in me. I was tired, frustrated, full of anxiety. Fearful at times, I'll admit it. I'll be 64 in a couple of months. Found out last week a pastor retired almost my age during COVID. He couldn't handle it no more. Retired, turned the church over to his son. Just couldn't handle it. I'm not judging the man. I understand it. I shared some of these feelings I had with Brother Dave a couple of Fridays ago. It was actually our, our night of worship. We had lunch that day, and when he came into the building, he stuck his head in the door, and he said, Pastor, I just felt a nudge from the Holy Ghost a little while ago to tell you that you still have some left, something along that line. And he don't know what came all over me. I told him we'd talk about it later, and I'm talking about it, and we didn't talk about it. But I'll talk to him about it later at some point. We'll get together again. But I just can't help it, Sister Booty. Can't help it, Brother Donnie. Every time I walk out here and see these chairs, 
and all of you sweet people sitting in them, something rises up on the inside of me. I've got a mental image in my head. God made me a promise. This ain't it. I don't want to disappoint anybody here today. This might be part of it, but this ain't all of it. I'm seeing what we have here today on steroids. I'm seeing baptizing people every Sunday. People filled up with the Holy Ghost every Sunday. Having to go to multiple services every Sunday. Seeing the place packed out. Pushing the platform back to make more room for chairs. I see it coming. And I believe God. I believe God today is going to bring it to pass. But it's not going to happen without pressure and difficulty. Because God wants to measure the will of a man everybody clap your hands to the Lord everybody stand difficulties try our faith and courage tries our faith and courage but it gives drive and energy to devotion it makes the final peace more blessed So I want to submit to somebody here today that you can start over. I think if the Bible would have a little more detail in it, Caleb probably had a few good altar pray-through experiences to put it in our terminology. He had hit the reset button a few times. He was a man like anybody else. Every man in the Bible that's ever amounted to anything had to push the reset button once in a while including the infamous Abraham, the infamous Paul. Everybody did. So what was it in the past weeks and months that hindered you from your vision for yourself, for your family, even on your job, but most importantly, for the kingdom? What is it that stopped you from gaining the things of God that you so desired? I was, we were talking briefly in the office this morning about the baptismal part of this service. And it just came to my head. I mentioned it last Wednesday night, our sweet brother Alexander. Most of you know him and remember him. I mentioned it last Wednesday night that on our one-year pastoral anniversary, he asked me, what did you see the first time you came here? I'll never forget that question. It seared my heart. I didn't finish that story Wednesday night. And I say this in all due respect to Brother Alexander. I loved him dearly and I miss him dearly. Went on to his reward the year we built the A Center in 2016. As a matter of fact, when he helped us break ground that day, he had to be held up by his son and one of our men. He shoveled over some dirt. That was his last service in church. Never was able to come back. But the rest of that conversation we had that day when he asked me what did you see when you pulled up at this church he said I decided when you came when you were elected to give you a hard time 
could tell who knows Brother Alexander by their laughter. He was not being malicious. Bottom line, he wanted to see what pastor was made of. How much can you take? Later on, Brother James, Brother Alexander came, it's two or three years later. He got all passionate and he got teary-eyed. Some of you know how he would be about that church. He loved this church. When him and Sister Alexander were justified a thousand times to leave and move on to somewhere else, they refused. You've heard the story many times about this family. But he walked up that day and he said, I'm glad I didn't give you a hard time the first year you were here. He said, but I prayed and prayed and prayed that God would send a man that would light a fire in this church. He said, I've tried and I know he did. He was being factual, he was being honest. He said, I've tried and tried. But bottom line, he said in my words, was I could never get, I could never exceed the pulpit. The preacher would never just light a fire like I wanted it lit. Thank you, Pastor. Sister Murph and I prayed, others prayed. And as he began to be diagnosed with cancer and Alzheimer's, that God would let him live to see us in this building. I just wanted him to see the church move to a bigger place, to a better place. I wanted him to live long enough to see the church grow. If there was ever a spy, that is synonymous with Caleb of the Old Testament. It was Leroy Alexander. There was a picture he had in his head. And he has poured olive oil around the yard at the church in Baker, the building in Baker. They prayed for the piano that God would send somebody to play it. They prayed for music. They prayed for people. They prayed for Sunday school teachers. They prayed for everything. And I could just see it in my mind's eye today that what little mental capacity he had out on that lot where the Aid Center is now. The Alexander Center, I should say, named in their honor. When he overturned that little shovel load of dirt, my heart was sobbing. I wasn't physically, but my heart was sobbing that, God, you're so amazing that you let this man live long enough to not only see this building, but to see the campus begin to expand. If Brother Alexander was still here, he could never say enough about that swing set in the backyard of the church. He was excited about the idea that the church finally got a van. Everything that happened, significant or insignificant, he was excited. You know why? Because he had a mental image of what he saw the church becoming. And you know why he lived to see it? It's because God measured his will. He said, I'm going to allow Leroy Alexander to live long enough. He was in his 90s when he died. I'm going to let him live long enough to see his promised land, his vision come to pass. Never wavered. Never gave up. He rebuilt cars out of junk cars and gave them to church people. He gave many times on many occasions, living on a very fixed income, he'd walk up to somebody he felt was needy and put a $100 bill in their hand that he didn't have. 
And then he started giving it to Sister Murph and I and say, you give it to them because I don't want them to know where it came from. He had a vision. And God let him see it come to pass. Because God knows how to measure a man's will. So if God measured us today, what would he find? If he decided to set the ministry team apart individually and measure your will, what would he find? I believe he measured Dave and Farrah a bunch several years ago when Dawson was diagnosed with leukemia. He ended up kissing death on the mouth before he recovered from it. But he's here today, healed and restored. He allowed Brother and Sister Wheeler, he he allowed their will to be measured with the passing of their son. But today their big dream has come to pass. They've started a church in West Baton Rouge Parish and God is blessing them mightily. Don't you understand that the will and purpose of God is not fulfilled in our lives going down easy street, but you're going to be tried and you're going to be tested. How does your will measure out with God's purpose? Sister Debbie, somebody prayed for you Friday night, the night of worship. They didn't lay hands on you, they stood over here praying as you lifted up your hands. They so bad wanted to see those limbs straightened out and severe, severe, severe arthritis. She's walked in church on occasions. I don't mean to embarrass her, and I didn't ask her for permission. She walks in church sometimes, and my heart bleeds. There's people far healthier than her that stays home over lesser things. She can hardly walk. She so many things, so many things. I believe when God looks at her, He's measuring her will and her determination. And I will tell you this, she's going to get her miracle. It may be here and it may be there, but she's going to get it one way or the other. She's going to get it. There'll come a day when she won't have to clap like this but she'll be able to put them hands together and worship God the way she wants to. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. So who are you today and where are you at with all of life's circumstances and problems? Can you be another Sarah Tomlinson that'll stand and say, preach it, pastor, when you're in the middle of one of the darkest trials of your life? It's the measure. said that God counted faith and righteousness to Abraham because of his faithfulness serving God when it's not easy serving God when there's conflict and challenge I could go up one side and down the other and name people that's been been through the, the meal, that's been to hell and back if you will God measuring them for a greater reward fulfillment of promise and vision I've been preaching vision and we're at the precipice we're at Arcadish Barnia right now we're on the edge of greatness Grace Church we've been here before and we've always walked through it but there's an essence or a sense to it now that's different than it's ever been 
because we're coming out of one of the most challenging times of all of our lives, but we're still here. And we would be foolish today not to take God up on his offer and say, God, I'm moving forward. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And we're going to embrace the promise of God and move forward to God's promise for our lives. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'll remind you in conclusion that last Sunday we heard a powerful, one of the most powerful messages in tongues and interpretation that I've ever heard. God was forceful and passionate. And I watched people slough it off like as though it was nothing. But it's still in my head today. And it just came across to me this week preparing for this message today that God is measuring us in that interpretation of tongues last Sunday. God is measuring us, Grace Church. There will be many that will take the course and move forward. But invariably there will be some that fall by the wayside. I'd love for everybody here to determine that's not going to be me. Pastor's been teaching, preaching, preaching. I feel like you're behind me. I know you're behind me. But I just think there's a little bit more we can give, a little bit more we can do. And I want to give you an opportunity to come pray about it right now. I don't mean that this to be frivolous. I've tried to be positive, but bottom line, we have a choice to make. The decision, the opportunity, the opportunity's here, but the decision is ours. What are you going to do? What are you going to do, Caleb? You going to give up on your dream? You going to give up on those things that you hoped God would do for you? Are you going to give up a thousand times? No. I say let's move forward. Let's move forward and claim the promise that God has made.
Change 
Oh, 